0: We are starting on the road to Bethlehem. So we're going to go through the the story of the birth of Jesus, mostly following the Gospel of Luke. Uh, So it's really exciting. Uh, So we're starting at Luke chapter 1, and it's going to be verses 1 to 10 to start with. So Luke chapter 1, verses 1 to 10. And as we look at this story, the parts of this story we we'll see that there's um, there's different names in it, so we're going to go through some of the some of those names today, in Luke one one to ten, and um, most of them are great, great people, uh, great stories. Uh, but there is a baddie. There is a baddie, and Ben was telling me in uh, modern day slang language, baddie does not mean what it means to me, <laughs> uh, Ben was saying he was, he was doing a thing with students at school, and they're looking at two movies, and uh, comparing the baddies that were in them, and one of the students saying, oh no, um, that one actually had, um, did have a baddie, not many, just had, um, what was the person, it was Trinity, and uh, it means, that's not a baddie. But uh, uh, in young person slang, a baddie is an attractive female. <laughs> so uh, when I say baddie, just think of last century, baddie, not. <laughs> so we have a baddie. <laughs> Luke chapter 1, verses 1 to 10. Of the things you have been taught. In the time of Herod, king of Judea, there was a priest named Zechariah who belonged to the priestly division of Abijah. His wife Elizabeth was also a descendant of Aaron. Both of them were righteous in the sight of God, observing all the Lord's commands and decrees blamelessly. But they were childless, because Elizabeth was not able to conceive, and they were both very old. Once when Zechariah's division was on duty, he was serving as priest before God. Uh, He was chosen by lot, according to the custom of the priesthood, to go into the temple of the Lord and burn incense. And when the time for the burning of incense came, All the assembled worshippers were praying outside. And Lord, as we look at your word today, that you would speak to us through it. In Jesus' mighty name, amen. So the first name is Luke. Luke is the author of this gospel, this account of Jesus. Probably a... Uh, sometimes traveling, a companion of Paul, uh, knew him, knew Paul, and we we have lots of "we" in the passages of Acts that show Luke was there alongside Paul at times. And by A.D. 200, the church tradition was the "we" was Luke, and that Luke, um, Luke and Paul, and and wrote. Luke wrote this gospel. Uh, Also, he was a Gentile, which means a non-Jew. He was a doctor. Colossians 4.14 says that. And he wrote this gospel with an eye to other Gentiles. So he talks about other non-Jews and how that relates uh, to the story. He was a behind-the-scenes guy, and he investigated carefully, this, these things about Jesus. And it mentions another name, Theophilus, verse 3. It says this, most excellent Theophilus. That indicates that he was a person of standing, possibly even wealth. Most excellent Theophilus. He possibly was a financial backer of the writing of this book. The patron of luke and the last sentence um, in the first chapter of the book of nehemiah was that he was cupbearer to the king that nehemiah was cupbearer to the king what an opportunity that every day nehemiah would be serving uh, the drinks possibly other things, he's right alongside the king. And Theophilus was a person like this, a person of opportunity, of influence. And the point is this, it may not be an accident that God has placed you where you are. That, that, That place in the community, that place in your family, that place in your sports team, that place, wherever you are, there may not be an accident. Actually, God has put you there. Uh, Theophilus, verse 3, unknown. We have no other record of who he was. And also, he was uncertain. It says this, that you may know the certainties The certainty of the things you have been taught. Verse 4. He already had some teaching, but he still had some doubts. He was uncertain. He had some doubts. What were his doubts? What were his questions? Maybe one was, is this for me? Is this faith actually for me? Is it true? What about those other things that were circling around the community, the false teachings that were floating around. And so uh, as an antidote to the false teaching, Luke investigated everything and he presented this before Theophilus and others that here it is, here is the truth about Jesus. Maybe he had Theophilus had some some racial doubts. His name was a Gentile name. And this Jewish story, what about us? Is this, part, is this for me as well and my people? Uh, Luke 2.32, and, and Luke emphasizes the Gentiles. Luke 2.32, for instance, Simeon's prophecy of Jesus in the temple that Jesus would be a light for revelation to the Gentiles. And so Luke is writing, yes, this is for you. And yours, not only for the Jews, but for you and yours, in fact, for the whole world. So we have Luke, we have uh, Theophilus, and we have Herod, the great, verse five, king of Judea. Herod was born 73 BC and lived to four BC. He, was, uh, he ruled Judea, provident, a province from BC 37. He was uh, an unstable, unhinged, uh, unbelievably nasty man, Herod, Uh, but he was a great builder. (laughs) Uh, He was a great builder. He built up cities of Jerusalem of Jericho, of Samaria. He built uh, theatres, amphitheatres, for plays and athletics. And most famously, he oversaw the construction of a temple that was started in AD 20, and Matthew 24 um, refers to it. It went on for years and years and years. Uh, He was an amazing builder. In, In contrast, his family life was a disaster. He married 10 women, mostly for political reasons. Uh, Lots of intrigue, assassinations at the palace. Uh, Family life for Herod was so complicated that he changed his will six times um, to decide who was going to be the successor. Uh, A close personal friend of his was Caesar Augustus. And Caesar Augustus is quoted as saying, I'd rather be Herod's pig than his son. The truth is that being a pig in Herod's household, he was a half-Jew, would have been safer than being a family member. He killed his favorite wife, Mariam, uh, because he suspected her of infidelity. Herod also killed his uncle, his mother-in-law, and three of his sons. Um, just before he died, Herod ordered that um, some prominent Jews be gathered together and be killed at the time of his death so that there'd be mourning at the time of Herod's death. He, was, he reigned like a madman. He was like, he was like a king on meth. He was always building something or marrying someone or murdering someone. And so here's a big question. Why have this name... In the story of Jesus. Why have this person in the story? Why allow that? If God is all-powerful, all-knowing, why allow that? In the story of salvation of the whole world. Why would you allow Herod in the story? And for many parents in Bethlehem, their first Christmas was not a happy one. There are no Christmas trees, no wrapped presents, no pavlova with strawberry and kiwi fruit topping in Bethlehem. All the baby boys, aged two or less, maybe about twenty or thirty of them, were killed by the wicked Herods. And why would you allow that pain and that trauma in the story? Why would God allow those? Herods in their lives? Why would God allow Herods in your lives? Around you, living next door to you, looking to do your harm. Why would God allow enemies and opponents in your life right there, right next door to you? Why would God Allow that in amongst the ones he loves. And here's the answer. Because there are some things that God wants to do in our lives that he can't do through our friends. He can only do through our enemies. Some things that only our enemies can help us with. It was because of Herod that Joseph and Mary fled to Egypt, and God taught them, taught, uh, taught them to obey quickly. When God says something, you do it quickly. Uh, we had friends in our country where we lived in Burkina Faso, and we got a couple of photos, um, a couple of maps, actually. And it happened 15th January 2016. Uh, we, we left in 2009. But in 2016, 15 of January, um, the doctor who just lived um, down the road from us had his wonderful hospital. He was an Australian, and his wife was Jocelyn. He, his name was Ken. And jihadists came and took him, kidnapped him, and his wife, they released his wife, but um, never him. That was early in the morning. Uh later that night there was some there's other things going on as well. And so there was turmoil on 15th January 2016. Our friends Christine and Peter, they're in another town called Seba, that's about uh maybe six six hours away by dirt road. And so our friend uh, who lived next door Howard and she helped often helped with missionaries, that's Howard there and Isaac there without any hair, but he's making up for it now. And, um, and so Howard was ringing, Zamp was ringing, saying um, to Christine and family, um, they've taken Elliot. Get out of there. Get out of there. And so that was about 5.30. 6 a.m., the mission rang um, Sabah and says, uh, yep, there's trouble. We want you to leave in 20 minutes. <laughs> Pack up the family Get gone. And so the husband, Peter, he went down to the um, gendarmerie where the, the army was, and he took 100,000 100, CFR, $200,000, and said, um, I'd like to hire you as a military escort to get, it, get the family out, please. And so they, um, uh, 20 minutes later, boom, they, they drove out of there, uh, down into the capital. And so the angel comes to Joseph and says, This is in Matthew 2:14, Herod's coming. Get gone. Go now. And only an enemy could have taught them that. You know, friends say something, yeah. But when they heard that Herod was coming with his soldiers, and the angel said, You need to go. They went that night. And uh, luckily they had some money. Uh, the wise men had brought, amongst other things, gold. Unlikely that the gold went on the mantelpiece at the family home in Nazareth. They were a poor family. They were fleeing to a country they had no idea where they were going. They were just getting out of there. And so probably that gold was used to help the poor family survive for the next uh, year or two. And Herod taught them this thing as well. God provides. God provides. God provides. And God protects and he provides psalm 23 verse 5 another beautiful psalm you can shut your eyes shut your eyes uh, lord is my shepherd uh, he makes me lie down in green pastures he leads me by still waters oh isn't that lovely pastures and and still waters he prepares a table for me in the presence of my enemies Whoa, the, the enemies have photobombed the picture. You know, there's green pastures. I'm lying down. There's a nice river. There's a table God's provided for me. And boom, there's my enemies. But even even though there's enemies around the banquet, God's there. God's there. Even when your enemies are there, God is there. And he's still providing. He's still protecting. He's still looking after you. Even when your enemies, your opponents, are right there as well. 2017 was a terrible year for us as we led this church. We were um, attacked by someone, strongly opposed. And we thought, oh, man, this is it maybe. Maybe we're finished. And then, But we didn't feel the Lord said to go. And you know what? The next two years were the best years ever in terms of finance and numbers of this church. And we learned something. God's got this. He's got this. We would not have learned that without opponents and enemies, even in the face of my enemies. Joshua 23 says, I've given you this land, God says. I'll put you in there, some who hate you and oppose you. You'll continue to live alongside you. But don't bow down to their gods. Hold fast to your God. I want to teach you devotion to me. Nehemiah 4, was um, the enemy, Sambalot, Sobiah, and the Ammonites, they were very angry that the gaps in the wall were being closed up and they plotted together to come and fight against Jerusalem. But Nehemiah says this, but we prayed, We posted a guard, night and day. And so that's how they learned to pray. That's how they learned to protect, because of their enemies. Matthew 6, Jesus said, love your enemies. How can you learn to love your enemies if you only have friends around you? Our friends are easy to love. You know, you buy them a coffee, they'll buy you a coffee. You you give them a ride somewhere, they'll give you a ride somewhere. Uh, you say nice things about them, they'll say nice things about you. But loving enemies is harder. And God allows a baddie to exist in his story, a baddies to exist in the story, and he allows baddies to exist in your story. It helps teach you things. Helps grow us. Thank God for enemies and opponents. They just don't have friends around us. So there's Luke, Theophilus, Herod, Zechariah and Elizabeth, verse 7. Zechariah was old. Elizabeth was old, both well along in years. and They had priestly blood in their veins. They were upright in the sight of Of God, and they observed the commands and regulations blamelessly. Not perfect, but devout and devoted. Zechariah was doing the Lord's work in the temple. Verse 9. There were at that time around 18,000 priests, but only one temple and 24 divisions, so he only got to be in there two times a year, and only to go into the Holy of Holies once in a lifetime. And you would think, such a great person, devout, devoted, wonderful, priestly heritage, that he had done the mahi, that he would get the treats. Hey, you'd think that but they were old and still did not have one single child and the reason was no reason she was barren no reason uncompensated for their devotion to God and their righteousness at this stage in the story, both of them unfulfilled years had passed that they'd hoped for that prayed, that made lunch, no child. But the story ends well. But we're not up to that yet. And so we have those names: Luke, Theophilus, Herod, Zechariah, Elizabeth. But there's also people in the story with no names. No names. I want to take you back to 1980, Topfield, Minor College. Woo! Oh, yeah. And there were the heroes of old. The names of old. Manawheraimau, Tomalisi, Ron Samanu, Mike Burns, Sausage Smith, Ben Tui Manufili, and others. But there were some third formers and fourth formers, yeah, 19, with no names. But even if you went... Up onto that top field, and you came back, and people said, where did you do at lunchtime? And you said, I was on the top field. That was something. <laughs> anyway, up on the top field was uh, a game of rugby, 60 to 80 people, 30, 40 a side, and it would come to mana, and everyone would say, mana, 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 and come to Ben, 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 or dad, 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 It's called dad. And uh, come to Sausage Smith, sauce, 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 sauce. And then occasionally the ball might come to me and they'd say, Hey, boy. (laughs) (laughs) And in uh, verse 1, there's no, there's the yas without a name. The yas. Many have under taken to draw up an account of the things that have been fulfilled among us. Uh, There were eyewitnesses and servants of the word, not named. Verse 2, servants of the word, what they saw, what they experienced. uh, Servants of the word. Uh, Not the other way around. The word was not their servant. They were servants of the word. They're not using the word for their own Agendas of health, wealth, good times, but they were eyewitnesses and servants of the word, but not named. And there were assembled worshippers and prayers, verse 10, unnamed. Just want to esteem you today for being assembled worshippers and prayers. That's something that's in the story, that's in our story, that's in the story of God. To assemble to worship, to gather, to pray. It's in the story. And they gathered together to worship and pray. And the air that we breathe in our day and age tries to individualize and isolate us. But the story is that they assembled together to worship and to pray And I don't want any of us to say, you know, I don't have a name. I don't have a name like the heroes of old. People don't know my name. Even if you don't have a specific thing, you're not knowing, you're not famous, you are in the story of God. He knows your name. And your name is written in the Lamb's book of life. You're in the story. It doesn't actually matter whether you're known or unknown. It mattered on the minor college top field, so I thought, but actually in the story of God, what matters is that he knows my name. And it doesn't really matter if others know my name or not. It doesn't really matter if others know your name or not, but God knows your name. And if you're famous or not, that doesn't really matter. If you've uh, got a title, you're head of something or not, doesn't really matter. God knows your name. Let's stand up. I want to pray. <clears throat> and Lord, oh, I want to bless these people that have assembled together today, together today. I want to bless them. Lord, your will be done amongst them. And whether they have a position that is not accidental, but is a position of influence uh, that can be used by you, Uh, Lord, bless that. Bless that. And whether that's in whatever field, any business field or any um, political field or any uh, family environment, uh, use that. And for those that feel um, they are unseen and unknown and don't have a, have a name, have prestige, uh, Lord, you know them and that, that they would know you, know your presence, know your love, know your influence and help in their lives and around them and that you look after them, you protect and you provide. In Jesus' mighty name, Amen, and people would love to continue to pray for you. If that's something of that, so anything else, uh, come up here, and people love to pray for you. Amen.